The Lord be with you. The genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Glory to you, O Lord. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asa, and Asa the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers, at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Akim, and Akim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. The Gospel of the Lord. So it's always an adventure pronouncing all the names in the genealogy. But um, again, very important. Sometimes we can skip over this section of uh, the Gospels, specifically when it comes maybe to our times of meditation and prayer, where you kind of think this is more just simply a historical message that, um, or the implementation of Christ into history. But that is its importance. That is why it's so significant, is because we see all the promises of God in the Old Testament to his people, right from the beginning from Abraham as he promises all of his graces and blessings that he will actually bring his people back. Um, so you see also in this lineage, lineage a deportation to Babylon and a return as well, in the same way that the Lord is now going to bring his people back to himself. And so whereas Jerusalem was their point of return from the exile to Babylon, Christ is the point of return for all of his people. And in the incarnation, this is possible. And so what we see here is God intervening very truly and really into human history, into a particular lineage. And this lineage is not a line of saints. In this lineage, there are murderers, 
there are wicked people, there are sinners, there's all kinds of people who make up this lineage. But that is also the point, is that Christ steps into human history in order that he might redeem what is fallen, that he might take back to himself what has been exiled from him in a very real sense because of sin. And so what the, in the Greek church, they put particular focus on Our Lady in this text, and they call her the Book of the Word of Life. I think that's a very beautiful title for Our Lady because she is the one whom the Word of God was written into first, right? She received the Word of God completely and wholly. She knew the Scriptures. Yes, she had received the Word through the inspired words of the Scriptures, but also now she receives the Word of the Father in that he is now conceived within her in this great mystery of the Incarnation. And so she becomes, in a very real way, the book of the Word of Life. And we can see that she continually fills herself with all of the mystery of the revelation that comes forth from this Word who has become incarnate. She is the model for us in terms of rejoicing in the Incarnation, rejoicing in the great mystery of Christ who has come to us in such an intimate and beautiful way. And so we see from Luke's account the activity of the interior of Our Lady where it says she just simply took all these things, meaning the mysteries of the life of Christ, and pondered them in her heart. And so she continually has the Word of God written within her. And so she lives from this great resource of the mysteries of Christ's life. St. John of the Cross speaks of Christ and his mysteries as being an infinite treasure with all of these infinite seams of gold and diamonds and jewels. And it takes for us just to continually mine into the mysteries of Christ and draw from them all of those riches which we could never exhaust, which we could never exhaust. And so again, it is this profound and beautiful mystery of which Mary participates so intimately and is such a beautiful example for us in terms of receiving the gift of the Word of the Heavenly Father that comes to us in the Incarnation. And that model for us is most truly celebrated then when we are able to participate with Christ and have Christ come to us in a very similar way in which He came to Our Lady. Obviously, we are not at the same capacity as her to receive all of the graces that she did, but we can attempt to by her help. And that moment is the moment of Holy Communion. That is the moment when the Lord comes to us and when He is present within us in a very real way, no less real, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And when He is within us, those are the moments where we can pray for the grace to center our entire life around the mystery of Christ incarnate who continues to dwell in our midst in the Blessed Sacrament and that He is that true center of existence for us. He is that point of recall from everything that we, from all the ways in which we have strayed from God Christ in the Blessed Sacrament is the point of recall, the point of reorientation of our life, and so that we become truly centered on Him as Our Lady was centered on Him. He is the active agent, and we see that in this uh, book of genealogy. We can see that with everyone else, it says Abraham was the father of. The father is always the active agent in each of these lines until it gets to Christ. And then the active agent of that sentence becomes Christ himself. Because before him, everyone else received life from their earthly father. But Christ is life. He doesn't receive life from anything earthly. He and the Father are life in themselves in terms of the fact that they are God. And so he receives all things from the heavenly Father, and he comes to bring us all things through his incarnation. 
And so we turn as we now prepare even more intimately from this day for, the, uh, for Advent and for that time of rejoicing. But we rejoice even now because even now the Lord continues to come to us in those moments of Holy Communion and that should fill us with rejoicing, consolation, comfort, and that should be the center of our existence. Amen.